0: Grace Church building relationships that make followers of Jesus know, grow, go to know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Us through threefold communion. So, we took a little break from our series and we're diving back in this morning. As you can see, we're joyfully growing in Jesus. That is the job of a Christian. We shouldn't be stagnant. We shouldn't just get saved and, and, and not grow from there. But we, and growing is painful sometimes, amen? amen? But we can joyfully grow in Jesus as revealed in the book of Philippians. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we love you this morning. And it is because you are the giver of all good things. Lord, uh, we just want to hear your truth this morning, so open up our hearts and our minds, Lord, so we can receive your truth. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. A few weeks ago, unfortunately, a family we know suffered a great tragedy. Their high school-age son was involved in a car accident. He was with his three friends, and um, they they ended up getting into—this is not actual picture, but this gives you a good idea of of, of exactly what happened— um, they came through a light and they T-boned an, another vehicle and um, two of the kids got to go home that night and, and uh, their son is still critical, he's stable, but he and his friend are kind of, their condition hangs in the balance. It is so tough when tragedies like this strike our lives. It kind of brings up that question, like why? Like why do these things happen? Some friends of the family were discussing this, and one was overheard saying something like this, like, why would this happen to such a nice kid in his family? Why would God allow something like this to happen? These people are nice. They're good. They're loving. They're caring. They don't deserve something like this to happen. And it just comes out of nowhere. In fact, questions like this are very common when bad things happen to nice people. But it truly reveals something about our culture, even our Christian culture. It's like somehow our default worldview is karma. Think about that. Karma says you get what you deserve, right? Even in our Christian culture, it's like our default world is karma. It, it, and it, it's like we believe bad things. Thing, you know, Bad people deserve bad things to happen, but good people, we deserve good things to happen. Here's the thing, though. Karma and the gospel actually contradict each other. This karma part can lead people to believe that if I'm just good enough, if I do enough good things, God will love me more and good, he'll have good things in my life, and he'll protect me from these evil, bad things. But the gospel says that we are born into this sin-cursed world where bad stuff happens. And there's literally not enough good things that we can do to make God love us more or protect us from every little evil thing that happens in this world or big things like this. It is true that Christians do have certain benefits of living in this world. I mean, we should be, you know, have more peace and joy than, than most, but that's because of our future promise and who we are as Christians. One day we will spend eternity with God in a place free from pain and suffering and sorrow. And we should also be comforted by the Holy Spirit living inside us, which gives us wisdom and comfort as Christians. But nothing promises us a carefree life. In fact, if you think about it, if this karma Christianity thing were true, logically, it would tell us that if we sin against God or we do bad things, then we actually deserve stuff like this to happen. That's a terrible way to think. And it's sad that there's some people that are actually caught up into that. So we can't do anything to earn God's love or protection from sin on this earth. So what is the point? Here's the point. At this place in our sermon series, Paul's dealing with tragedies and how Christians should respond to tragic events in their lives. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Matt preached, adversity gives Christians the chance to show the glory of God. So as we're wrapping up this section, Paul, this, where he says to live is Christ, to die is gain, and he's wrapping up this section with these last four verses. He starts out with this one major statement, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. And that's why the title of our sermon this morning is Living Gospel Worthy. You might be thinking, wait a minute, Pastor Jared, you just said we can't do anything to earn God's love. We can't do any good works to earn salvation. Why is Paul now asking us to live worthy of something that we simply cannot earn? Well, I'm glad you guys asked that question this morning. You're very astute. We'll be... uh, In the book of Philippians uh, chapter 1, 27 through 30, it'll be up on the screen or if you want to pull it up on your phone or there's a Bible uh, in front of you if you want to crack that open or just follow along as I read. Paul starts out, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit If we took these four verses and we boiled them down into one main idea, we would get this. Living worthy of the gospel is not about earning God's love. It is about living for Jesus and fellow Christians despite all adversity. For us to live worthy of the gospel, it is not about earning God's love. God can never love you more than when he died for you on the cross. And he did that while you were yet still a sinner. Let's break down these verses to find out why that's true. Starting in verse 27. Paul starts off with that big statement only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith. Of the gospel. So living worthy of the gospel. So how do we do that? Well, having integrity and living consistent to what the Bible teaches is a good start. amen? Amen? But it's more than do's and don'ts. It is not legalism. A lot of Christians and a lot of churches fall into this legalistic view of how we should follow God. Legalism is man's laws of righteousness. It says stuff like this. You're not as holy as me if you do this. I would never do that. Or you're not as righteous as me because I do these things and you don't. Many times in the Gospels, Jesus came down on the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they lorded over these people telling them you're not as religious as we are. Let me tell you something. Religion points people away from the gospel. Religion is man trying to earn God's love. We can't. I don't know about you. Maybe you're better than me. I can't live in a way that pleases God all the time by following rules. I mess up too much. Just ask the people I work with. The gospel says Jesus had to because we couldn't. We could not live a perfect life, but he did and then died for our sins. So how do we live this life Uh, worthy of the gospel well jesus said if you're crazy about commandments here's one for you this isn't up on the screen but listen if you're taking notes it's mark 12 13 31 jesus said and you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength the second is this you shall love your neighbor as yourself there is no other commandment greater than these you want to start with commandments? Start there. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Every single thing that you do, your, your, your working life, your relationship life, your coming, your going, and your neighbor as yourself. Listen, we love ourselves, right? Think about how much you love yourself. And if you're honest this morning, it's probably a lot. Now, think about loving your neighbor the same way, no matter who they are. But if we follow this greatest uh, commandment, I want to I show you how that will help us to follow what Paul is telling us to do so that we may live worthy of the gospel. He says in verse 27, standing firm in one spirit, being together with one mind. When we follow this greatest commandment, we love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul, and strength, but we do it together. We do this together. We are standing firm in one spirit, and that's the Holy Spirit, and we're we're doing this with one mindset, and that's to love God and to love each other. That is huge. And when we love God with our lives, sin can't get a, a stronghold on us because we simply love God more than the sin in our own life. I, I read a, a quote when I was doing uh, my morning Devo, and the commentator uh, added this quote in, at, at the end, and it, and it really just struck me. Because I don't know about you, sometimes you feel like you're praying to God about the same things, like, oh, Lord, you know, forgive me for, for doing this, whatever that this is for you. And you almost feel like a hypocrite, like, here I am again, praying about the same thing that I was praying about a month ago, a week ago, a year ago. Well, this quote says, the grace of God cannot be frustrated by the weakness of man. Think about that. The grace of God cannot be frustrated by the weakness of mankind. Thank God. Because he will forgive you every single time you repent and turn to him for forgiveness. And by loving God with all of our hearts, we'll also honor him by loving each other. And it'll cause us to do the next thing that Paul tells us in verse 27. Striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. We will live worthy of the gospel when we struggle together as family. I know that it's hard. Hey, listen, in in families, people fight and they have disputes. Amen? Amen. It's no different in in a church with a church family. But if we're keeping that greatest commandment in mind, we're trying to strive together. We live out our faith together for the sake of the gospel. We struggle together because, listen, we're all going to mess up. I'm going to sin against you. You're going to sin against me. We're both going to sin against God. I'll ruin that for you this morning. But when we confess and we repent and we forgive each other, it's crazy because we are never living out the gospel more than when we're confessing sin, repenting, and forgiving each other. Some people feel like that's a shameful thing that you have to ask someone for, for forgiveness. We are never living out the gospel more than in that moment when we share that with each other, that where I'm forgiven by somebody else or I forgive somebody else the way that God has forgiven me. That's how we strive together to live this faith out. But Paul also says in this, he says, he wants us to do these things. So whether I come and I see you or I'm absent, he was planning on visiting And it's funny how Paul was, he's letting them know, don't just clean up shop for me. Don't just get this together for my visit. I want you guys to be doing these things because they're so important. Church, this isn't a Sunday morning thing. This is an everyday thing and every moment thing. Brings us to our first point. We live worthy of the gospel when we love God and each other more than we love ourselves. That is a tall order. But we love God so much that we don't want to sin against him, and we love each other so much that we're willing to strive together to, work, to live out our faith. Guys, we need each other. As Paul continues in verse 28, he says, And not frightened at anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. You see, some in this church were being persecuted by unbelievers. But some were also being attacked by those who were calling themselves believers and they were inside the church teaching false things about God. Listen, whether it's somebody inside the church or someone outside the church, when someone attacks you for standing on the truth of God, don't take it personally. I know it's hard because sometimes our ego gets hurt. Someone's telling me that I'm wrong or they make you feel stupid for believing in some magical fairy man in the sky. Or they might even believe something that's different than you. And we get that, that, that tension, that conflict. Don't take it personally. If you are living to honor God, and you're living to honor your fellow Christians, you have no worries. Because then, when you stand on the truth of God, they're not upset with you, they're upset with the truth. That's why Paul says... Do not be frightened in anything by your opponents because your opponents are not opposing you, they're opposing God. And good luck with that. So we can live unafraid and unashamedly live for God in the gospel. God's truth will always prevail. That brings us to our second point this morning. We live worthy of the gospel when we stand firm in the truth despite conflict. It's hard, y'all. It's hard to stand in in God's truth these days. But let me back up a second and say if you're going to stand for the truth, you better know the truth. Don't just take our word for it, study God's word. It's part of what we say every morning, to know, to grow, and to go. We want you to know the truth of God. A lot of that you discover by studying yourself. And hopefully, as we we start our classes, that's going to give you the tools to do that. But we must stand on the truth of God even when it's not popular. And that reminds us of our main idea, Living worthy of the gospel is not about earning God's love. It is about living for Jesus and fellow Christians despite adversity. Let me ask you a question, church. Was Jesus a good person? It's not a trick question. Was Jesus a good person? You're half right. He was the only good person that ever worked that ever uh, walked on this earth. The Bible says that there is none righteous, not one except for Jesus. Y'all recall what happened to him? Falsely accused, beaten, crucified. Do bad things happen to good people? All the time. Keep that in mind as we go over verses 29 and 30. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Paul met with a lot of adversity in his life. But he says two huge things here that we just can't overlook. Because the first one is is that we've been granted. He says, it's been granted to you to believe. It's been granted to you that you believe in him. Salvation is not earned. Salvation is a gift. Think about that, how huge that is. God made a conscious decision motivated by his love to make a way for us to be saved and then make a way for us to know how. It has been granted to us that we can believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, just like Paul. Now, the majority of us won't ever like see persecution uh, by maybe death or imprisonment or anything like that. But we do still have to live with the unsaved world, amen? And it is very hard to stand on the truth of God. We will have to suffer the nonsense of those who don't believe. It's just a fact of life. So Paul is saying, expect it. Expect that conflict to happen so that maybe we could respond in a better way. I'll tell you, I don't always respond in love. I could tell you about this debate I had for like two hours on Facebook last night. My wife was like, are you watching this movie or are you debating someone on Facebook? I'm like, I'm responding in love. Mostly. Listen, the gift of salvation comes with a call to proclaim it. But that's not always going to be taken easily by the world, is it? It brings us to our third point. We live worthy of the gospel when we understand that the gospel is a gift. But that gift comes with some conflict. It just does. Paul understood this gospel message. It sheds light on the darkness of man. And they don't like it. Paul understands that they didn't like it from that message when Jesus spoke it. They didn't like that message when he spoke it. And they're not going to like that message when we speak it. What's cool is that we get to share in the same sufferings as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we start to wrap up, I'm going to call Mike and Zara up. I just want to remind us of, of what Paul taught us this morning about living worthy of the gospel. First, we learn we live worthy of the gospel when we love God and each other more than ourselves. When we love God and others more than ourselves, listen, it's, we're not going to be comfortable with sin in our lives. Okay, That part, I promise you, will take care of itself. We don't have to follow this list of commandments, of do's and don'ts. If you love God with all of your life, you are not going to be comfortable with sin in your life. And I know because when sin starts to take hold in my life, the first thing I do is shut out God. But then I remember it was those sins, my sins, that nailed Jesus to the cross. We will want forgiveness and a right relationship with God because we love and cherish Him and because of what He did for us. We'll also want a proper fellowship with our fellow Christians, uh, our, our brothers and sisters. Listen, we need to have each other's backs. I need you guys. I hope you need me in your life to help us to work out and live out our faith. Listen, This is not a natural thing to love God and to love others more than ourselves. Church, pray God helps you love Him and others more than yourself. Next, we learn we live worthy of the gospel when we stand firm in the truth despite conflict. If if you are living for God, you will experience conflict at some point. Strive to know the truth. Of God it's one of the reasons why I love apologetics because I want to know why I believe what I believe strive to get a a firm grasp on that of what is the truth of God what does that mean in my life and how do I relay that to other people in the best possible way that's going to lead them to the gospel God is on your side. Phil. Christians are on your side. Let's stand firm in the truth together. Last we learn, we live worthy of the gospel when we understand that the gospel is a gift and that gift comes with conflict. The gospel is an amazing gift. It's a gift that we can't earn and it's certainly a gift we didn't deserve. But it's contrary to this world. Remember, if you suffer for the sake of the gospel in any way, shape, or form, we're doing it for the same reasons why Jesus suffered on the cross. It's because we have a heart for unsaved people. When you put it in that perspective, that you're suffering along with Christ for the sake of the gospel so that others can be saved and gain eternal life, Pray that God helps you love unsaved people as much as he does. And it brings us back to our main idea. Living worthy of the gospel is not about earning God's love. If you leave with anything today, leave with that. The yoke of the law will break your back, but the gospel will set you free. It's about living for Jesus and fellow Christians, despite all adversity. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you that we can know your truth this morning. We praise you for making a way for us to be saved and then revealing that truth to us personally. It is by your grace, through faith, that we can be saved and also live worthy of the calling on our lives. Give us wisdom to identify sin in our lives and help us to deal with those things that do not glorify you in our lives. Help us to strive together for the sake of the gospel. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.